Thanks for listening. The following audio is a teaching from Calvary Tucson's Young Adult Ministry, Ignition. For more teachings, information, or if you'd like to support our ministry, please visit us online at ignitiontucson.com. We pray you're blessed by the message. So now the question is, when will this happen, right? Do any of you guys remember 2012 when, oh, you remember, in 2012, when everyone thought that that was going to be the end of the world because the Mayan calendar, which was like 5,126 years, ended. It was either December 12th. It was either December 12th or December 21st. Yeah, in, in 2009, they came out with a movie called 2012 just to scare everybody and make them think that that was going to be the end of the world. You guys remember that? I graduated in 2012, so I, I thought, like, man, I'm only going to have, I'm not going to lie, I believed it a little bit. And I was, I was like, man, I'm only going to get a few months after high school before the world's donezo. Um, but anyways, obviously that didn't happen. And that, that's something that so many people do. So many people have tried to predict when Jesus is coming, have tried to predict when the end of the world is coming. Um, and verses 1 and 2, what, what does Paul say about that? He says, now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Like a thief in the night. Let's see what Jesus has to say about this. In Matthew 24, verses 36 through 42. And Jesus says, But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. And people get tripped, tripped up on this idea that not even the Son knows the time of his return, and, and they try to say, like, oh, that means that, that Jesus isn't divine. That means that Jesus isn't God. But, but I really believe that this is just another example of Jesus choosing to submit himself to the will of the Father and, and choosing to humble himself and, and submit to, to God in such an incredible way. Because what, what Jesus did on this earth, when he came, he gave us a perfect picture of what it means to be someone that, that fully submits to the will of God. In everything that Jesus did, Jesus was, was fully human and he was absolutely fully God. But he submitted himself to the will of the Father, giving us an example and showing us what true hum- humility is. And I can't even... It, it just shows the, the humility of Jesus is so, I, it's, unex, it's really unexplained, it's unbelievable the, the kind of humility that he had. To even submit himself as God to the will of the Father blows my mind. So, so anyways, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't trip me up at all because I really think that this is just Jesus again showing his humility and showing his submission to, um, to the Father. Verse 37, for as, we were, for as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For, for as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Right, just like left behind. Um, two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore, 
Stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. So Paul is saying, don't worry or waste your time trying to figure out when that day is going to happen. Don't waste your time trying to figure out when the return of the king is going to happen. Verse 3, while people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. Again, this rapture of the church is coming at a time that no one expects. When the world is in a business-as-usual mindset. And then, in the twinkling of an eye, all the followers of Christ will be caught up and meet the Lord in the air. And what will happen after that? Sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. This marks the beginning of a seven-year tribulation period known as the Great Tribulation in Revelation. Tribulation meaning a cause or state of great pain and suffering. And this is when the, the holy and righteous wrath of God is let, is let loose onto the world. And it's just, even, even in God's wrath, it blows my mind because you can read this in Matthew 24. Jesus says something that's, that's insane. So in, in this seven-year tribulation, God makes, makes every, like his, his justice is poured out. So, so all of the horrible things that people have done to, to other people, that, that people have done to, to, all of the horrible things that people have done, right, there's justice. And just things that I think about is, is just abuse, rape, uh, sex slavery, molestation, like all of, these, all of these things that are so horrible and disgusting. God comes in and lets, just, lets his justice out, his, his holy wrath out. But even in that, Jesus says that the time, because of God's grace, the time is cut short. Because if God were to let out all of his justice and wrath on the world, then not a single person would survive. So even when God, if all the... All the <laughs> All the justice and wrath that we so deserve, even when God is letting this out, he still cuts it short because of his grace and because of his love for people, which just blows my mind. If you want to know more about what happens in this seven-year period, it's in Revelation verses 6 through 18. And we'll eventually make our way through the book of Revelation. And, um, and I encourage you to, to read, read that book. And uh, there, there's this book that, that Skip Heisig has. It, did anyone get that book? The, you can, it's called You Can Understand the Book of Revelation. Super practical title. Did anyone get that book during the, uh, the prophecy conference? Tight. Well, I encourage you guys to. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to find someone that owns it so I can borrow it so I don't have to buy it. But uh, everyone that I've asked said no. So, and that was my second chance. But anyways, uh, maybe I'm just going to need to buy it. And, uh, and we can read it together. So, I heard that it's a great book, though. You can, it's called You Can Understand the Book of Revelation by Skip Heidzik. Moving on, verses 4 and 8. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. You are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness, so let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. So why does that day not surprise us? 
because we are ready, because we are expectant, and we are hopeful for the return of the king. You, Christian, man, we are hopeful for the return of the king. Going back to what Jesus was saying in Matthew 24, so the, so the two verses after that passage that we just read, Jesus says, but know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake. It would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Again, going back to Ed Heinsohn, a professor at Liberty University had this to say about this. He says, Jesus himself said, nobody knows the time of my coming. The point is that nobody knows the time So don't waste your time trying to guess the time. Be ready all the time because Jesus can come anytime. I'm going to read that again because it just sounds cool. The point is that nobody knows the time, so don't waste your time trying to guess the time. Be ready all the time because Jesus can come anytime. Verse 7, for those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. So Paul is saying here, when he's talking about sleeping, sleeping at night and getting drunk, getting drunk at night, what he's saying is don't be ignorant. Don't be inactive. Don't let down your defense and don't be lazy. Don't get so comfortable in this world that you allow the things of this world and the cares of this world and the culture of this world consume and influence you more than Jesus. I'm going to say that again. Don't get so comfortable in this world that you allow the things of this world and the cares of this world and the culture of this world to influence you and consume you more than Jesus. Hebrews 13, 14 says... For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. In other words, this is not our home. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. If you, if you have the same Bible as me, it's literally one page to the left. Bam, Colossians 3. So we're going to read verses 1 through 17. And I'm going to try my hardest not to commentate a lot. Um, But this gives us a beautiful picture of what it means to be in darkness, very practical, and what it means to be in the light. So chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. It says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Verse 5, this is where we're getting into the darkness. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality. We talked a lot about that last week. And if you weren't here for that, I, I very highly encourage you to go listen to that teaching on 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 through 12. Impurity. Passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is wanting something so much that, which, which he says right here, which is idolatry, idolizing things. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, which is, which is evil intent, 
slander, talking bad about people, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Verse 12, put on then, now we're getting into the light. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Man, again, this is such a beautiful picture of what it means to be in the darkness in contrast to what it means to be in the light. And then he says, having put on the breastplate of faith and love. So what did a breastplate, so what is a breastplate? A a breastplate is, it's a lot like a flak or like a vest, right? I'm sure everyone here has seen Addie in her vest because she loves wearing her vest. Um, but what, what does a flak do? So a flak is like a bulletproof vest, right? like in the military. We had a flak, and you have your plates that would go in the front. You'd have a plate that goes in the back, and then you'd have these two side plates, and the side plates were so uncomfortable, and they would chafe you, and you would just be bleeding, and it was terrible. Um, but anyway, so that, what a breastplate does is it protects your torso. It protects vital organs like your heart and your lungs, so, so what, is, what is this thing that protects you and guards you? Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 again. For by grace you have been saved, what? Through faith. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. God made it so, God made it so easy for us. All we can do is choose to accept his free gift of grace he offers. And maybe easy isn't the right word. Simple. God has made it so simple for us because it's not always easy. Um, Giving up the things of this world, like we talked about last week, things like pornography and sex outside of marriage, those are not, those are not easy things to give up, right? Those are, those are addictive things. Those are things that, that our flesh desires. So it's not easy, but it is simple. It is simple. You accept his free gift of grace that he offers because Jesus, like we talked about earlier, Jesus did all of the work for you. He did all the work to have your sins removed, have access to a relationship with the God of the universe, and spend eternity with him in heaven. Jesus did all of the work, and all all he asked for you is to put your faith in him. Faith is what gets you through those difficult experiences of pain and loss 
and difficulty. We have faith in our God and we trust our God and we put our hope in our God knowing that his will for us and his plan for us is far greater than our own. And that doesn't mean that when, when you go through a difficult time and, and you go through struggles like we talked about earlier, the, the death of a lost one, that doesn't mean that your faith doesn't get rattled a little bit. Because when, like when me and my wife went through what we went through, that I was questioning things. I had doubts. I, it was, I, I, was, I was like, God, if I don't understand how, how this could happen. I don't understand how, how, a good, how a good loving father can allow this to happen. And, and, and it shook us. It shook me. But one of the beautiful things about our God is doubt. Doubt is something that, that I don't think is wrong. I don't think doubt is bad. What I do think is wrong, when I do think doubt becomes sin, is when you doubt and you are just content with doubting and you don't seek the truth. But when you doubt and you seek the truth and you pursue God and you say, God, I don't understand this, but I still trust you. I, st- I still believe in you. It's hard for me, but I still trust you. Our God is big enough, and because our God is true, because our God is real, he comes through for us in our weakness. In, in 2 Corinthians 12.9, I talk about this verse all the time. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. That is what Jesus said. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. So Paul says, I will boast all the more in my weaknesses because when I am weak, he is strong. So when you come before God in your weakness, when you come before God in your struggles, and you say, God, I am struggling right now, and, and I, need, I, I need you. I, I, believe, I, I don't feel like believing in you. I, I, I feel hurt, but I'm going to continue to trust you. God... God comes through, and in those times in my life where I've walked through that, he has solidified my faith, and he has solidified the foundation of my faith over and over again. And it, and it, grows, it grows my faith, and it grows my trust, and it grows my relationship with God. So again, doubt is not something... When, the only time doubt becomes a sin is when you are just content with doubting and not seeking the truth. If you doubt and you seek the truth and you pursue truth, truth will find you. God, God will meet you where you are because he is a gracious and he is a loving father. Anyways, so the breastplate of faith and what? Love. Colossians 3.14 again says, and above all these things, so above all the things, the, the compassionate hearts, the kindness, the humility, the meekness, the patience, the forgiveness, above all of these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We read this earlier with, uh, with the leaders and volunteers. This is the love chapter that you get at all the weddings. 1 Corinthians 13, but we're going to start in verse 1. It says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. 
and if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And that is, even just reading this right now, as I'm reading this before you, I'm just, I'm seeing these things like, does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. Bears all things, believes all things. Man, I, I do not, I'm not always loving. Like, I, there are times where I'm irritable, resentful, and I'm tired. Like, man, God, God's grace. Man, thank God for God's grace. It just blows my mind that, that I'm, even in the position where I'm in, where I get to share the word of God with you. And I get to, to, to show you the beauty and the grace of our God. And I, I get to live in that as well. I get to live in his grace. Um, but anyways, so the breastplate of faith and the breastplate of love, the helmet, and then he talks about the helmet, the hope of salvation. Hope, again, el peace a strong, confident expectation that we have been saved and we have been delivered because of what Jesus has done for us. Verse 9. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. And that is why we do not have to fear the rapture or the great tribulation or the second coming of Christ. We don't have to fear the end times. We don't have to fear about wars or politics or economies. Because God has not destined us for wrath. God has not destined us for wrath. You Christian have obtained salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for you while you were dead in your sins and had absolutely nothing to offer him. He did that so that you could be with him, so that you could live with him. Man, how great is our God. Verse 11, Therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you were doing. All in all, this is a matter of perspective, and, and me and Miles talked about this a little bit on Sunday. For us Christians, there's, there's, there's two general responses to, to the end times and to the rapture and the coming of Christ. One, for the Christians, it is, let me say this, in, for, us, for the Christians, when they're not in their fleshly mindset, right? When we, when we aren't looking through our fleshly fogged up nasty glasses, it is encouraging and it is exciting to hear and to know that our God is coming for us, that our God is coming to take us, and that we are going to be able to spend eternity with him. 
because we long and we desire to be with him, knowing that he is so much better than anything this world has to offer. And then, there, for those that don't have a relationship with Christ, this isn't good news. And it's scary knowing that the judgment and the holy wrath of God is coming, and it could come at any time. God loves you, and he already paid the price for you. If you have been on the fence on giving your life to Christ and putting your faith in him, thinking that when you get yourself figured out, man, then you'll make the commitment. I have two things to tell you. One, we talked about it tonight. Jesus said, be ready. Be ready. No one knows the time or the hour. No one knows when he's coming back. And this, this may be cheesy, and, and you ch- churchgoers have heard this a lot, but Jesus could very much come back tonight. Be ready. Be ready. And our life is so fragile. Death comes at, at such unexpected times. Car accidents, sicknesses, um, you, could, you could go wars. Death comes at so unexpected times. And I'm not, I'm not trying to scare you, but I'm trying to show you the reality of how futile your life is. And the second thing I want to tell you is you don't need to get your life figured out before you give your life to and put your faith in Jesus. You don't need to get yourself figured out first. He knows that you're messed up. Every single one of us in here is messed up, Christian and non-Christian alike. There's no standard of living that you need to be at in order to be accepted by God. I'm just thinking about right now the, the, the guy that was dying on the cross next to Jesus. This man was literally dying for, for a good reason, being put to death, capital punishment, dying on the cross next to Jesus. Jesus didn't deserve it. Jesus didn't earn it, but this guy did. And, and this guy says, Jesus, remember me when you go into your kingdom. He put his faith in Jesus in his last minutes or hours of life. He just says, remember me, God. And what does Jesus say? Today, you will be with me in paradise. That guy didn't have any time to do good deeds. He was was literally hanging on a cross. You don't need to get your life figured out before you give your life to and put your faith in Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So come to him now. He can handle absolutely everything that you're bringing to the table. You cannot surprise God with what you've done. He's already died for it. He's already died for every sin you've ever committed and every sin that you will ever commit. It's done. 
It's paid for. He's so quick and he's so ready to forgive and accept you. So don't wait. Don't waste your time and don't waste your life. Hey everyone, Pastor JD here. You've been listening to a teaching from Ignition Tucson, the young adults ministry of Calvary Tucson. If you live in the greater Tucson area and you're between the ages of 18 to 28, we want to invite you to join us in person. We meet every Thursday evening at 6.30 p.m. at Calvary Tucson's East Campus on Speedway and Camino Seco. Come join us. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace.